Blog Talk Radio. And welcome everybody to the Jets Podcast Preview Show on 247sports.com as the New York Jets Week 8 on the road at the Windy City. The New York Jets are going to take on the Chicago Bears and another, another big-time NFC North matchup along with Rick Lachlan. I'm Daniel Feuerstein and Rick. What we saw from Thursday night, the Miami Dolphins now on two straight losing games. Uh, their record evens up to 4-4. Four and four. We know where the Patriots stand at 5-2 and two right now, but still, though, if, if this is any sign of a possibility for the New York Jets to take advantage, if they can, uh, on the Miami Dolphins, they're going to have to go to a very hotly contested soldier field because the Chicago Bears, even though their record is 3-3, three and three, um, the, the way things look like right now, uh, it's a mash unit that's going to Soldier Field, and it, this could be a long afternoon in Chicago for Sam Darnold and the New York Jets. And look, in our pick segment, I caught a lot of flack for taking the Jets despite being undermanned. And the recent reports now with Robbie Anderson, that ankle injury that's been lingering, keeping him out of practice all week, he is listed as doubtful and probably unlikely to play in this game. So that really leaves the Jets on the offense side of the ball and the outside receivers with Sharon Peak. You obviously have Jermaine Curse and newly signed receiver Rashard Matthews, who barely had a week to practice with this team. So this is going to be the challenge of all challenges for a rookie quarterback in Sam Darnold. And I would really expect for them to try to employ that same game plan they had against the Detroit Broncos, and that's to go two and three tight end sets try to get something going in the running game because when the Jets are most effective, they have the play-action pass game going. And this is a game which Jeremy Bates is really going to have to earn his money because they're going to have to be creative. They're not going to have that guy they can sling it outside and he's going to run 20 yards after the catch. They're going to have to earn every yard they get and they're going to have to scheme their way to get points and to get touchdowns because, look, when Robbie Anderson is healthy, the guy sprints straight down the field and nobody can keep up with him. And that those are plays that uh, are just pure athleticism and speed. And with him being hampered with the injury, even if he is out there less than 100%, maybe as a decoy, maybe just a handful of snaps, he's not going to be the regular Robbie Anderson you're accustomed to seeing. So this game, to me, it falls on the shoulders of the running game, and it falls on the shoulders of Jeremy Bates and that coaching staff to try to cr- come up with creative ways to move the ball because that stretch that the Jets had – at the end of the second quarter and most of that third quarter where they went eight possessions without producing a first down, if the Jets do that in this game, they're going to lose the, the ball game going away because that game against Minnesota had every opportunity for the Jets to try to take a stranglehold on it, to try to take a lead. Even the Kirk Cousins play when he swung it out to Stephon Diggs, and it was a fumble, and Perry Nickerson and Maurice Claiborne weren't even paying attention. They could have picked it up and scooped it up and run for a touchdown, and then all of a sudden it's a three-point game. Any of the plays that were there for the Jets to make and try to tighten the gap, they couldn't make. And for me, this game it doesn't bode well for the Jets. That ESPN football power index, it only gives the Jets a 23% chance of winning this game. We know those aren't always 100% accurate, but you have to say the Jets are going to be massive underdogs heading into this game. I think they are going to be massive underdogs because, once again, as we've already said, you know they're going to be missing a lot of players. Now, first things first. Very happy to hear that Bilal Powell's injury. Now, he already had the surgery for the bulging disc in his neck, and thankfully he will make a full recovery. Now, 
sadly, you know, he, he's done for the season. Uh, he's on IR now for the rest of this year, which means hopefully he'll come back next year uh, better than ever before. But once again, we just want to say here at 24-7 Sports for the Jets page and the Jets podcast uh, for Bilal Powell, we're very happy that it's not a career-ending uh, surgery that he will make a full recovery because that was the one thing that really scared everyone, Rick, is that when you hear the possibility of, you know, while Quincy Nunwa did have the same issue, but it was not as bad as what Bilal Powell had it. But thankfully, thank goodness, uh, the surgery uh, went well and uh, Powell will be fine starting next season, obviously, because, you know, this is a situation where you don't want to lose a guy who's been very reliable for you for these last nine years. And, you know, I had a sneaking suspicion when I saw that report from the Daily News, and I wrote this up in my article, Ralph Facchiano of the New York Daily News, wouldn't be the first time that that outlet lets the facts get in the way of a fun story, because the fact of the matter is everything that Todd Bowles said was that it was a similar injury to Quincy Nunwa. Nowhere in the transcripts, whether it was the press conference that I watched or the reports that I read directly coming from the coach and from the team said that Bilal Powell's injury is career-threatening. So when that report came out, it was surprising, it was inaccurate, and it's just the latest case of a news outlet trying to be first, not necessarily trying to be right, but trying to be first to the news and get it out there and throw something against the wall and see if it sticks. But for Bilal Powell and his sake, I mean, that again, he's going to do to be a free agent. He's turning 30 years old. There's no doubt that he's definitely on the back nine of his career, and he's going to have to make a decision depending on his recovery, whether it's uh, worthwhile for him from a financial standpoint, from a physical standpoint, from his well-being standpoint to come back. But the fact that uh, you're reading these reports that his career is in jeopardy, that he's never returning to the Jets, if he does, those are all premature. I think Bilal Powell, if he makes a full recovery, which they expect, and he still has the heart and the determination to play football, I think the Jets would welcome him back with open arms, especially given the fact that Isaiah Crowell, he's had some great moments with the Jets, and he's had some terrible moments with the Jets. He's not proven to be the most reliable option. He certainly is not a locker room leader with some of the things he's done off the field, some of the things he said in the locker room as far as not taking accountability last week for not stepping up to uh, try to make a couple pass catches that would have made Darnold's job a lot easier so for me, if there's a guy that I think won't return next year between Bilal Powell and Isaiah Crowell, I think it's more likely that Crowell is playing elsewhere as opposed to Bilal Powell. Yeah, that's very true, Rick. But the one thing I will say is this, is that Crowell, you know, unless he's going to get some help now, some, you know, uh, promoting someone from the practice squad to being a, another running back for him, you know, Crowell can't have Powell, uh, you know, leaning on him anymore. He can't lean on Blau Powell anymore. And not to say that Crowell needs any leaning or it needs to lean on somebody to go through and go forward. The truth is is that, you know, Isaiah Crowell now needs to uh, you know, find those holes, make some plays, and, you know, force uh, the Bears defense to at least uh, make some issues because as of right now, Khalil Mack has an ankle injury. Um he's been dealing with it. Now that doesn't mean that, you know, he's the only uh guy you have you, you can't worry about anymore you have to worry about this whole entire bears defense i mean his back is probably just as good as he is and you know what this is a game where you have to go into soldier field and soldier field in chicago 
obviously it's not the old soldier field that we remember back in the old days, the 70s, the 80s, even back in the 60s. You know, soldier field right now, it's a little bit better. It's a little more advanced, more high-tech and all that stuff with the refurbishment. But once again, you know, Chicago fans, they know how to take advantage of oppositions when they visit their sporting events. It doesn't matter if you're a Cubs fan, a White Sox fan, Bears fan, Bulls or Blackhawks. They use their stadiums as advantage to at least harass the opposition and to make them make mistakes. Yeah, look, this, this is not going to be an easy stretch by any imagination, but the fact that, you know, the Jets and Darnold have actually played reasonably well on the road. I mean, if you take out that Jacksonville game where they just got overmatched against the tough defense that was coming uh, off a loss, uh, of course, against the Tennessee Titans, they were out for blood in that game, and the Jets only had 36 rushing yards. Sam Darnold was a sitting duck back in the pocket. You take that game out of the equation, and you look at the week one game against, of course, the Detroit Lions. They did a fantastic job, I thought. Even against the Cleveland Browns, they played a, a superb first half, and then the bottom fell out from under them. So, you know, as much as I think the crowd will be a factor, the one player that was interesting, I still expect him to play, but was listed on the injury report for Chicago, was pass rusher Khalil Mack that, again, they're going to have to employ the Von Miller tactic of filling up that backfield, stacking the tight ends, chipping him, getting him as far away from Sam Darnold as possible because he is a one-man wrecking crew, and he can single-handedly destroy a game. So in my mind, you know, this this is the kind of game you look at the up and down the – the Bears' depth chart, I mean, you know, wide receivers, Allen Robinson, he's listed as questionable. Taylor Gabriel is a well-known name. Kevin White, Anthony Miller, and Trey Burton, their tight end. They have solid receivers, not necessarily top 10, top 15 receivers, but they have some weapons that can move the ball downfield. But what really Mitch Trubisky has been doing is he and Mike Nagy, who's a brilliant offense coordinator, the run-pass option is what the Jets are going to have to – they're going to see a steady diet of it, and they're going to have to stay on all to, all fours trying to stop it because the teams struggled. Even the New England Patriots, Mitch Trubisky had uh, 86 yards rushing last week against New England. If that happens again against the shorthanded Jets offense that's not – going to be able to put up 38 points like the New England Patriots did last week when they won 38-31 against Chicago. Uh, The Jets are going to lose this one and lose it handily. So if they're able to stack the box, keep Mitch Trubisky inside the pocket and not allow him to escape on the outside for big runs or to make plays uh, on on the rollout, throwing the ball downfield, if you contain him in the pocket, you get pressure in his face, the Jets have a fighting chance. But, again, this is going to be an unusual type of offensive attack you know, very similar to what Doug Peterson and the Philadelphia Eagles have run in the past. And Mike Nagy is as creative an offensive coach as there is in the NFL. And I expect him to full, pull his full bag of tricks to try to confuse Todd Bowles and his defensive unit. Yeah, that's the one thing you have to do. You have to go and find a way to make Trubinsky uncomfortable. There's no doubt about it. You're going to have to force him out of the pocket. You're going to have to go through that offensive line, and you're going to have to put him through the ground. You're going to have to find a way to make him uncomfortable, make Trubinsky throw the ball to the secondary, and have your secondary or any of your defenders at least pick the ball off and help your offense go forward. Because as of right now, this is a game where it's not looking good already on paper. 
It's not looking good right now as you're going forward, and you're going to have to find a way to try some tri- – I mean, this is where I think Jeremy Bates is going to have to try some trickery plays. He's going to have to find a, find a way to do some gadget plays. Even special teams might have to do some gadget plays, Rick, because you're going to have to find a way at least force, you know, f- force your opposition to be uncomfortable. And if the Jets can find a way to make adjustments, and I know that's been the biggest um, thing I have said, others have said as well, you got to make some adjustments in the second half if the first half's not going to go well. You can't keep sticking to the game plan or switching up the game plan in the wrong direction. I think you're going to put yourself even more behind the eight ball. This is where the coaching staff is going to be picked on big time to try and you know fool the Bears and maybe sneak in a win. And I guess I must have the World Series on my mind. It's Matt Nagy, not Mike Nagy, who I must be thinking of that – pitcher for the Boston Red Sox who pitched in the late 60s, early 70s for Boston. But nonetheless, uh, I, I agree with you, Daniel, that, you know, this is the kind of game from a defensive standpoint. They, the Jets have to be dominant on the defensive side of the ball. They have to make plays, create some turnovers. And Mitch Trubisky, look, he's got 13 touchdowns, six interceptions on the year. The Jets and Bears are at very similar points as far as their rebuilding process here starting to see the fruits of the labor payoff with Mitch Trubisky now in his second year. And Darnold, I mean, you know, if you compare Trubisky's first year to Darnold's first year, Darnold is light years ahead of where Trubisky is. So that should give Jet fans a lot of hope, a lot of optimism for where this thing is headed because I know Darnold has been prone to the turnover. He has 10 interceptions so far this year to go along with 10 touchdowns. But you look uh, from a stat comparison in – Trubisky, who was taken number two overall, of course, in the 2017 draft, and Sam Darnold, number three overall. You know, if things continue on this track and Darnold improves the way Trubisky did from year one to year two, that's going to make the Jets really a force to be reckoned with for years to come. But nonetheless, I think it starts and ends with the Jets' defense trying to contain Trubisky in the running game and Jordan Howard, and of course, their backup, uh, all world uh, backup in Tariq Cohen. This is a run-first offense that is, of course, going to force the defense to creep up to the line of scrimmage and when they least expect to throw the ball over their head for a big play. And that really is the foundation of Matt Nagy's system. And if the Jets can stop the run early and often and keep him uh, you know, under 20, 25 yards rushing and keep the Bears as a team under 100 yards rushing, that to me is going to be the deciding factor in this game because really you're not talking about a high-octane offense where Trubisky is going to drop back and throw it 50, 55 times. They need that running game. They cannot be one-dimensional, and Trubisky is not that type of quarterback, but much in the same way that Darnold at this early stage in his career needs the support of a running game, the Jets are able to take away that ground game. I give them as good a chance as any, but again, it's going to be a tall task because even the brilliant Bill Belichick and that Patriots defensive staff wasn't able to contain Trubisky, and he almost single-handedly beat them last week. Yeah, I agree with you, Rick. You know, the Bears, that was probably the closest anyone this year or maybe in the past several years, not counting the Super Bowl uh, win by the Eagles, of course, but you know when you uh, almost got them, and you're you know you're 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 heading back into your locker room with your tail tucked between your legs, when you know you should have beaten them, you know it's one of those things where you just got to make sure that you are able to go out and take out one of the most hated teams in the entire NFL. 
where no, normally no one really cared back in the day, but, you know, hey, what are you going to do? It is Bill Belichick after all. Um, there are some positives, though, I think, uh, coming out of uh, these issues, and that is, of course, the return of Buster Screen from his concussion protocol. He is back on, out on the field, so that's a good thing to see the secondary having Screen back. You know, that's the one thing that we all have to remind ourselves is that we got to make sure some of these players are coming back. I understand uh, Brontez Miles is back from his injury. Um, you know, center Spencer Long is doubtful with finger and knee ailments. It's either going to be Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Harrison or Dakota Dozier uh, to ex- replace Long at center, on the, or at least on the starting offensive line. Uh, Kelvin, Kelvin Beecham is even questionable with a back injury. So, you know, there are so many question marks on the Jets roster for this game. Uh, Richard Matthews, of course, that's a good find for uh, the Jets to plug him into uh, the offensive capabilities. And even though, Rick, there are still a couple of days left before the trading deadline comes in, and the Jets are going to be shorthanded tremendously here, you know, there are talks of possibly maybe Terrell Pryor being re-signed by the Jets. And like we've said, you know, the Jets could always bring him back, which I think they should bring him back. I don't know why they decide to cut him in the middle of, uh, after, the, uh, after the game against uh, the Indianapolis Colts. I thought he did well. I thought he was, uh, uh, you know, uh, he was playing with good behavior. Didn't see anything wrong with it, but hopefully they bring him back. Or, or... Maybe there's a certain Dallas Cowboys wide receiver, Rick, that maybe the Jets should invest in, look into, and that is, of course, Des Bryant. Oh, boy. I was hoping you didn't go there. And look, I mean, the Jets, I had if, say what you want to say. If they win this game and they're still alive, and let's say, best-case scenario, in a three-way tie with Cincinnati, uh, well, four-way tie, actually, with Cincinnati, Miami, as well as Baltimore, uh, for that sixth and final wild card spot, you know, a lot of fans are going to clamor for the Jets to be aggressive, for them to acquire another target for Sam Darnold. And I, I just don't think that Des Bryant, given the, his history with uh, combating quarterbacks, his ability to divide a locker room, his terrible mishandling of the media where he just boycotts certain media members. He has run in with certain media members. I can't see in a New York media market, which is a pressure cooker, that being a good situation for anybody. I'd much rather see uh, the Jets bring back a a Trey McBride, who was a a standout player during training camp, showed a lot of signs of being a great player. And, you know, surprisingly, the Jets uh, did not make him on the final opening day roster. They have not signed him to the practice squad. He's remained unsigned throughout the year. Uh, even a Charles Johnson, who throughout pre preseason was a fantastic player. Well, I don't see why they don't roll the dice on one of these younger guys that's shown some flashes. They don't have an ego. They're not going to be uh, demanding, uh, you know, I need the ball 10 to 15 times a game because that is the type of player Des Bryant will be when things are going well and the team is winning and he's getting his touches. Uh, he's the happiest guy in the world. But when things start going south, they don't look in his direction uh, he will be a, an absolute, uh, you know, a diva. And so for the Jets, I, I just feel like this this is their opportunity to establish a new culture, a new identity. They have Sam Darnold as the ad hoc leader of this team. And you bring in a larger-than-life personality like Des Bryant, I, I can't see it going anywhere 
but south from here. And despite how desperate they are to sign a wide receiver, I'd much rather them look to some uh, past contributors that have shown signs during preseason than go for the big, shiny uh, household name in Des Bryant. Yep, definitely there, Rick, and we'll see what happens. And once again, I'm not suggesting suggest they should bring him over. I'm just throwing mm-hmm. it out there to see what we, you know, what's available to them and should they make this move. I mean, obviously we all know how much of a hothead he is. We know how much of a hothead Des Bryant is. But once again, you can't argue with his ability to make plays. So that's the only thing I'm just saying. I'm not saying it's a definite move or they should make this move, but to have him in the conversation to say, well, should they bring him over? Should they not bring him over? I mean, you never know. Maybe they have already kicked the tires on him, and it's just not going to work out, and that's fine. But I will say this. Uh, right now, the Jets are in desperation mode, and it's not just desperation for wins. It's desperation for healthy bodies, and that's what they need right now to go out there to take on a Chicago Bear team. Once again, as we've already said, one of the best sides on defense uh, right now in the NFL, especially in that NFC North division, because once again, that's a that's a lunch pail uh, division. Not saying the AFC isn't, uh, AFC East is not, or the AFC North isn't, but the NFC North, that's a really big lunch pail division where you know you got to go out, you got to find a way to outthink and outscheme those teams: the Bears, the Packers, the Lions, and the Vikings. They're one and one right now against those teams in that division. They gotta try and go two and one right now if they can. And before I forget, I have to give a shout out to Bears fullback Michael Burton from my neck of the woods, Long Valley, New Jersey. Of course, went to high school in Long Valley and is a is a uh, product of Rutgers football. So wanted to get that quick shout out in. But also getting back to this Bears team, look, they're very much in the mix. You have Aaron Rodgers, who's been hobbled all year, does not look like himself. Packers, it seems year in and year out, have so many issues as far as the defensive side of the ball and trying to stop teams. And when you look at, uh, you know, where the Bears are headed, Mitch Trubisky in 12 games last year, he had seven touchdowns, seven interceptions. And you compare that head-to-head with Sam Darnold, who right now through seven games has 10 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. I just can't help but think about how – the Jets and the Bears, don't get me wrong, they, they are as high as anybody on Mitch Trubisky. They are thrilled. They're excited. They're happy to see him take steps in the right direction. But uh, you're comparing these guys head-to-head, and who knows, this may be uh, a quarterback comparison that we could see at the top of the league in three years, four years, five years. And at this point, you know, you have to say that Darnold ha- is a step ahead, that based on both of their rookie years, that Darnold has taken a major step forward but, again, he's going to have to show that development, that improvement year by year. And Trubisky, you know, the one thing he has working in his favor, he has a terrific offensive mind in Matt Nagy who is going to guide him and put him in the best position to succeed. And I think Jeremy Bates can be that type of coach. He's shown flashes. I think the Jets made some great adjustments by trying to push the ball downfield vertically, feeding Robbie Anderson, mixing in not being as predictable in the rushing game. And now, of course, that it looked like they turned that corner, they were ready to start to fully realize their potential as an offense. Then all of a sudden these injuries, this rash of injuries started hitting. And with, you know, I I was not in agreement with the release of Terrell Pryor. I thought that 
You give him two weeks to get healthy. He returns to the lineup, even if he's not an every-down player, even if he doesn't get five, six, seven targets a game. Using him inside the red zone is invaluable, especially where the Jets have struggled so mightily. So like you had said, I know they haven't fully shut the door on Terrell Pryor, that he could be back as soon as next week, uh, conceivably. But I don't expect the Jets – I think there could be certainly other teams that will be interested in him that are probably much more on the verge of contending than the Jets are and may swoop in and pick him up. So that was the risk that the Jets took by releasing him. But I understand why they did it. Uh, They didn't even see this. This was before the injury to Robbie Anderson when they brought uh, Rashard Matthews in for a workout. Obviously, he was impressive. He goes back to his uh, college days with Jermaine Curse. They were roommates, so he has that type of connection. I'm sure Jermaine Curse is taking him under his wing and uh, trying to bring him up to speed on the offense. So I understand why the Jets did it, but, again, the, their wide receiver room is less than ideal right now. But we're going to really find out what Sam Darnold and this offensive coaching staff are made of because, again, uh, this is going to be as tough a matchup as they have all year because of the fact they're shorthanded and a lot is going to fall on the shoulders of the running game, of the defense, and of the offensive coordinator to try to pull the rabbit out of the hat this week. Yeah, very true, Rick. And once again, you know, this is a Bears team, uh, no matter what. You know, it's a very dangerous side. They've got some solid weapons on offense, solid weapons on defense. And at the same time, though, um, like we've already said, this Jets team is very banged up, very, very banged up, and hopefully that they can get some good fortune and um, – once again, if they can find a way, because once again, if the Jets, who had a very good first half against the Vikings, they were only down by three points at that time, and the defense did well to disrupt the Vikings after they allowed that, uh, you know, that, that opening touchdown to open the game on the score sheet and everything, you know, for the Jets, they just have to go out and they got to play that same first half against Minnesota and also bring that same first half into the second half because – we cannot have this happen again in Chicago. But once again, the Bears, as we've already said many, many times, this is a strong team. This is a solid team. Maybe, you know, maybe they're a little uneven you know, when you take on bigger opponents. But for the Jets, and we're not trying to poo-poo this, but still, for the Jets, where they are right now roster-wise and strength-wise on depth is now a big question mark. And they need to find a way to scrap, claw, fight, and get the win so they can at least go even with the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, and look, the the expectation was not for this team to make the playoffs. The, the season was not going to weigh on the fact that they had to get eight wins, nine wins. It's not going to be measured by wins and losses. I think given these first seven games, even though the team is under 500. I think the team has met, if not exceeded, my expectations based on Sam Darnold's play. The one thing that is alarming is the turnovers, and I think in time Sam Darnold will learn to not try to force the issue. The Jets have been shorthanded. They haven't had all the weapons around him. I would expect in the years ahead that they're going to address some of those uh, needs they have on the offensive line through free agency. They're going to improve the quality of wide receivers around Sam Darnold, and you would hope that uh, whether Bilal Powell's back in the mix, I'm not sure if Isaiah Crowell is in the future plans of this team, but they really need to retool that offense to just find find that uh, happy medium where Sam Darnold can have a running game to rely on, but also can stretch the ball downfield to a Robbie Anderson or to a Quincy Anunua. So this Jets team is very dynamic. They're not going to be predictable. 
and they're going to have the ability to really make teams and defensive coordinators throw fits. And I think that the Jets will get there. It's, it's a building process. They ha- it's going to take some time for them to do that. But in this first year with Sam Darnold basically being thrown into the fire, all the injuries that have hit this team, for them to be at three and four with a win putting them possibly tied for a playoff spot at the halfway point of the year, uh, if you're a Jet fan, I'm not sure what else you could ask for, uh, especially given Todd Bowles' situation where people calling for his job after the one and three start, them rebounding, winning two out of the last three ball games. And like I had said, you know, it's hard to say with a losing record with the team at three and four that you're happy with the season so far. But, you know, I can say as, as a Jet fan, longtime follower of this team, I am happy and I'm pleased with the direction of this franchise. And you just hope the Jets keep building it and, and building this in the right direction this year and beyond. Yeah, I agree with you, Rick. And I think, you know, there are a lot of people that want bowls gone. And, you know, while they're looking at this as a, as an, uh, you know, the, a whole thing, you're talking about two years with veterans and this is your second year now with, you know, rookies and at least developing a quarterback right now. The truth of the matter is this. I think right now Todd Bowles has done things the right way, especially with Sam Darnold, because the way that Sam Darnold has been playing, I think he has actually done pretty good at the moment. And it's only at the moment. But we'll never know until this entire season is going to get done who is going to, you know, be the next coach if Todd Bowles does get fired. We'll have to wait and see. But at the same time, it's going to be a tough thing to talk about. It's going to be a tough sledding at the moment where this time it's injuries. And it's not the situation where, you know, it's just bad coaching. I think the coaching staff has done a good job so far. Does it need to be better? Yes, it does. But with injuries, it's going to be a bit worse. And there's no way you can really blame the coaching staff from this point on. Well, this will do it for the Jets podcast preview show on 247sports.com. The New York Jets are going to take on the Chicago Bears live on Sunday at 1 o'clock Eastern time on WCBS Channel 2 here in New York. For Rick Lockland, I'm Daniel Feuerstein. This has been the Jets preview podcast show on 247sports.com through blogtalkradio.com. We'll talk to you after the game on Monday. See you next time. So long and bye-bye for now.